Welcome to season two of the Venturesome Podcast. I'm Rachel Esterline Perkins, the creator and host. I took a long hiatus over the past year during the time I was promoted at work and built a new team. I took several dog training classes and Kimber is now an expert in parkour, agility, set work, and obedience. I also had a few life-changing experiences, including losing my dad in December and traveling to Scotland with a friend. This first episode of the season will be a bit different. I recently had the opportunity to do a 360 evaluation through a leadership program. My report included comments from over 20 team members at work, and one commenter said they would love to learn more about what I have done to get to where I am today. So I asked my friend and former intern Morgan McDermott to turn the tables and interview me. I'd also like to add that Morgan will officially be joining me as the co-host of the Venturesome Podcast. Morgan embodies the word venturesome, and I am really excited to partner with her to bring you perspectives about being ambitious, brave, and curious in the workplace and in life. Morgan, thank you for joining me today to interview me. I really appreciate it. And I was hoping before we jump into asking questions about me, that you would share a little bit about yourself. I would love to. Rachel, thank you so much for having me. This is a true honor. I have admired you for years. I have valued your mentorship, your opinions. I still ask you career advice to this day. So to be asked to be in this position of interviewing you is a is a true, true honor. So I'm so glad to be here. I could not have been more over the moon when you asked me. So yes, everyone out there listening, my name is Morgan. I have known Rachel since I was very young. I met her when I was in college. She presented to a class I was in and I thought to myself, that is a person I would like to grow into. And when I meet people like that, that I admire right off the bat, I tend to sort of attach myself to them groupie-like and try to learn everything I can. So that's what I did with Rachel. And she took me under her wing and she still has me there to this day, which has been amazing. I have, and I have managed through with her help and her guidance, build a really special career for myself. I spent several years after college traveling, living the nomad life. I went all over the world. I explored many, many countries. I lived abroad for a bit. I had a variety of interesting jobs to pay my bills, and now I have found myself in Tennessee. I work for a logistics company, and I am their talent acquisition manager. I oversee all things recruiting. I have a very wonderful team of five recruiters I lead. Uh, We hire for seven offices at this point in time with more to come. My job is very people-focused. As Rachel says, I interview for a living, which I really do, (laughs) and I think Rachel and I have both come a long way from our initial beginnings and I when I first met her way back in the day. So Rachel, to get this started, I think, you know, a lot of people who know you, they know you as this extremely successful professional powerhouse, this woman who has done it all and will continue to do it all. But you, like the rest of us, have an origin story. So I want to go way back in time. I want to turn back the clock and I want to hear a little bit about your first ever job and how that shaped you and led you along the way to the women you are today. Yeah. So when I was 13, I started working as a pony handler, essentially, for a pony ride company. So my mom's friend took 
ponies to birthday parties. And I led them around and put kids on ponies and walked them around in circles, uh, sometimes for eight straight hours, it seemed like, uh, in the worst heat of the summer. And so that was my first job that I took. I also had some interesting jobs in college, one of which was I was a carriage driver in Frankenmuth. I gave tours. So uh, giving pony rides, you know, that really just taught me work ethic. It taught me to save my money. I bought my first ever computer after working all summer. And that's when I started playing with HTML and learning how to build brochures and the software that came on the computer. So I kind of created some of my own marketing, even as a teenager. But then as a carriage driver, I learned a lot about connecting with people because the better I connected with people, the better my tips, right? So I gave these tours and uh, had a great opportunity to connect with people from all over the world and had to learn how to do small talk. And that was a lot of fun. That job was pretty intense as well, physically, managing these uh, Percheron and Clydesdale draft horses tacking them up. You know, the harnesses themselves are really heavy. The carriages are a little bit dangerous and sometimes a little sketchy. You have traffic all around you. And I had some very scary, dangerous situations happen. So I always joke that that was my first experience in crisis communication as well. So that's where I started out in terms of first jobs. Uh, In terms of my first real job. My first job that was in my career, I did an internship with University Communications, and that's actually where you did your internship as well, which I think is a lot of fun. I actually interviewed for a video internship there. So they were hiring for a video intern to essentially manage this enrollment campaign uh, that they had running where my role would have been capturing like video snippets of students doing stuff, editing the videos and putting them on a website and managing this little website. The thing is, is that I was pretty inexperienced in video. I'd never actually taken any video editing classes. I'd edited some video in high school journalism class. And so I just put myself out there and I wanted the opportunity to have a summer internship and When they were interviewing me and I had brought a small portfolio, they realized that I really was a writer. And I had a couple of clips from CM Life that I had written, the college newspaper. And so they asked me, would you maybe consider a publications internship instead? And I said, absolutely. That actually sounds like a way better fit for me. So, and I had the opportunity to work all summer for university communications and I wrote and developed content for a lot of admissions materials, some brochures, and uh, that really set the foundation for my career as a writer. Did you always know you wanted to get into that field? How did how did you know that public relations were right for you and what made you choose that career path? In seventh grade, I wanted to be an FBI agent. I really liked the X-Files, so not really a realistic career path in terms of X-Files and FBI agent. I'm not sure why, but I could totally see you in the FBI. (laughs) I I look really great in a black suit. 
I really loved writing. And in high school, I ended up in a journalism class. And I just really thrived there that like, that's where I feel like I really started to become a leader in high school, I wasn't involved in sports. And so that's where most people like start to see their leadership skills develop. And I became the editor of the student newspaper. And we also had a broadcasting class. And that was really fun. And so that kind of set the foundation for me where I thought, wow, this is a lot of fun. I like to write. I like this broadcasting stuff that I've been able to do, but I can't see myself on camera. Like I didn't want to be a news anchor and I job shadowed a news anchor in high school. I also really enjoyed learning how to do different types of things that would be considered marketing. So I taught myself HTML and built little websites and I created brochures for friends companies. I also was a little bit of a horse broker for a while. So I sold horses for people for a commission. And so I would write these descriptions about, you know, this is a stunning blue roan mare with, you know, these traits and I would design these flyers for them. So these are all little things that are skills that helped me eventually develop into a marketing communications professional. But when I actually was going through all of the college materials, trying to figure out where to go to college, I had all of the programs and booklets from all of the colleges I was considering open on my bed. And I remember just going through and highlighting every program that sounded remotely interesting, crossing off programs that I decided weren't a good fit. And there was one at Central Michigan University that stood out to me. So it's called the Integrative Public Relations Program, which I know you also graduated from. And it incorporates classes from journalism, broadcasting, and communications. And there's also electives in marketing and business and a lot of other areas that I found really interesting. So I thought this program is really the perfect mix of all these things that really interest me. And I had no idea what public relations actually was, but I just decided going into college that I was going to be a PR major. And I was really lucky that I got into the program and I really liked it. And that's the career path that I took. I know that's not the case for every person. I know a lot of people change their majors. I also was really insistent on figuring out what my major would be before I even got to college because I was paying for it myself. And so it was really important for me to not feel like I was going to be wasting any money because I was really concerned about how to pay for college and I wanted to try to get done with college as quickly as possible. So I also made sure that I had minors that double and triple counted. So I minored in journalism and communications because it really only required a handful of extra classes to get those minors. I did not know that you paid for college yourself. That is really cool. Oh, I'm still paying for my college <laughs> degree. <laughs> I can imagine. Okay. Well, <laughs> Rachel, I we had a lot of people send in really good questions for this Ask Me Anything. And one that I want, I want to dig into that I think I, a lot of people will be interested to hear the answer to is what has been the toughest experience of your career? I feel like I've had a lot of tough experiences and I intentionally did not prepare for this interview, which is very unlike me, right? Like usually I would have written talking points. I expected you to give me a list of questions. I was ready. <laughs> I resisted all of those urges. There's been a couple really tough situations I've handled in my career 
So working at Central Michigan University, there were several situations where I had to deal with things like student death and other really serious situations and crises. And that's always really hard, especially when you really love a university and having gone there, it really holds a special place in my heart. So there were a couple situations there that were really difficult. There were long days As the social media manager, I was on the receiving end of hundreds of comments and questions that I couldn't answer. You know, there's not a lot of specifics I can get into there with that particular one, but I've also just had a lot of instances where I've had to deal with client conflicts or personal conflicts or just burnout in general. And all of those are really tough situations. So I think you don't necessarily always have that one single tough experience of your career. I think you have a series of things that happen that you learn to deal with because you had no other choice. And those are the experiences that I always use and draw on when I'm advising someone like you who comes to me with a specific career question. You know, I know we've talked a lot about negotiating salaries. We've talked a lot about professionalism and perceptions in the workplace. Those are things I know you and I have had conversations about. And so you just learn from all of these different situations. And then I think it's just really important that I share that knowledge with other people because I always say I learned the hard way in some ways. I made my mistakes early in my career. And if I can share some advice with you that prevents you from making those same mistakes, then at least there was some value in that experience. And that brings me to an interesting point because, and I love that somebody submitted this question, Rachel, you personally have given me so much advice over the years and you still do. Before we even started this podcast, I said, okay, before we start recording, I have a question. I lean on you heavily and I know a lot of other people do too, but of course, you have those mentors in your life as well. So if can you think what is some of the best advice that you've received during your career? And then on the flip side of that, what's some bad advice that you've received? So the best advice I've received, uh, one of them was from Jim Wojcik. I was in my first job and not happy with the job and I emailed him about it. And his only response to me was, don't quit your job before you have another one, call me tomorrow, which I thought was really great advice at the time because I was really frustrated with the role and and the experience that I was having. And he wanted to make sure I didn't take any drastic measures, but also was willing to talk about it. So I think that's one. Another key mentor, Dan Digman, gave me great writing advice that I use. And it's two words, write tight. If you don't need the words, don't put them in there. So that's really great career advice that I've received. In terms of bad advice, though, like I certainly have had some interesting experiences. And I, this isn't necessarily advice, but I was thinking back recently to a conversation I had with a VP really early in my career. I was still an intern and we were at lunch and he was asking me, about my background and my family. And and he goes, oh, so you have a blue collar family. And I said, yeah, I guess. And he goes, I can tell by the way that you speak. And I was really blown away because I couldn't believe that that was a way that somebody was going to give me feedback about something. And so it's something that I've been hyper conscious of. So in a way that was a piece of advice given to me because now I'm really conscious of how I give 
negative feedback because I know that it'll reverberate in your mind forever. <laughs> you know, this was easily, I think, 13 years ago, and I still remember it. I think it's interesting. Our dynamic, because you specifically gave me a piece of advice that I just disregarded and continue to disregard. You told me when I was very young, I wanted to dye my hair blue. And you told me I could, but it could affect my career negatively. And I should just think long and hard about the possible consequences. And today, this morning, you dyed your hair purple. (laughs) I did. The next question I want to ask you about is, how do you personally define what it means to be professional? So I have really evolved in how I think about this over the years, because I think originally, back when we first talked about it, it was, that was probably in what, 2014, 15-ish? It would have been 2014. It was my senior year of college. Yeah. And, you know, so you were heading right into your career, no idea where you were going to go next. And so I think that it's always good to be conscious of what people might think, even if you decide intentionally, I don't care. So that's where I'm at in my career is I know that I do really good work. I'm a good manager and I know that how I color my hair has nothing to do with how I do my job. But I also am fully aware that if I had decided to go to a different type of company, maybe a corporate type of company, that they might not accept it. And so I just have to be okay that there are going to be people who maybe think that this is unprofessional. I haven't experienced that though. You know, when I had blue hair, because I did dye my hair blue back in February, there was no repercussion for that. But it's something that I still worried about. And I even had asked HR before I did it to make sure that it wouldn't be problematic, which is crazy that that's something that I thought about. And I think you had a really great post on LinkedIn back a couple weeks ago where you posted about how you have all of your tattoos. And it was really fascinating to read the comments because there were a lot of people, I would say probably mostly millennials and Gen Z who were rallying around you. And then there were a couple people who were saying that they didn't think it was professional. So that's what you have to think about is You define what that looks like for yourself, but you also have to know that other people are going to define it how they want to define it. And you have to be okay with that. And if you're okay with that, I think you're totally fine. So I'm okay with that. If if, if someone doesn't like my purple hair, I don't really care. No. And I think times are definitely changing. And, you know, for me being a heavily tattooed individual, I, I am aware that my options are more limited, but the companies that I do have the ability to work for are the companies that I want to work for. They're warm, they're diverse, they're inviting. They realize that your appearance has little to nothing to do with your performance. So I think you, I think you and I are on the same page and I do think it's a wave of the future to say, Hey, you make your own rules and you play by them, but know that other people are doing the same thing. Definitely. I think that's perfect. You make your own rules. It's a great way to put that. Awesome. So Rachel, we know you are loving life right now. What's coming next for you in the future? What, you know, I, I really hate to be a cliche, but how did the next five to 10 years look for Rachel? I have given up on trying to control that in my life, uh, as I previously did with my spreadsheet system. So I am maybe a little, yeah, maybe I'm a little type A, but I 
at one point in time had a spreadsheet that was planning out like four years of my life. That doesn't really work. When I look at where I saw myself in my first job to my second job to when I was at CMU and at Davenport University um, and even in my last role, I always look a couple years ahead afterward and I think, wow, like I didn't see myself here. So, you know, I, I definitely a little over a year ago before I took my current role, I saw myself leading a team. I knew that's something that I wanted to do, but I had no idea when it was going to happen. And I took a role that was not a leadership role. And I just got really lucky that I was able to become a leader at my current company. So where do I see myself next? I'm not sure. So what's that next step for me? I'm a head of marketing communications. I lead a small marketing communications team right now. Maybe that next role is a vice president role. Maybe that next role is a chief communications officer type role. Like I've always been extremely ambitious. But then there's also all these people who I've really admired, who I see taking these really interesting career paths and going completely off of their plan and really loving it. So I also want to just leave my options really open. I don't want to be as strict as I always was in the early parts of my career. You know, when you first met me, my plan probably was to run university communications at CMU eventually. I have zero interest in that job now. I've actually seen that job listed and I thought, ugh, I I can't see myself being there, which is really interesting. And so that's what I've learned. That's where I've grown is that I've learned that I need to be flexible. I need to be open. It's really hard for me to be both, but I've learned that it's really critical because that's when some of these opportunities will come. You know, like I said, I, I accepted the role at my current company as a director of marketing communications. It was not a leadership role. It was not working with the team in the capacity that I work with the team today. And it was through all of my hard work and my building of relationships and building trust within my company that led me to the promotion that I got to become the head of marketing communications. I think you hit some really great points there about just not knowing. Sometimes when you try to plan things out too much, you really do put yourself in a box and you have blinders on to other opportunities that may come in different disguises, but could actually be the right fit for you. So I know I, for one, Rachel, am so excited for wherever your life and your career takes you. And on that note, I want to switch and talk about some non-career questions. Because I know you recently took a trip to Scotland and you, I know a couple other things about Rachel and her hobbies, but most people listening don't know you that well. So Rachel, what are you like outside of work? What sort of hobbies do you enjoy when you're not working? So I am your stereotypical dog mom, for sure. If anyone follows me on Instagram, 90% of my photos are of my dog, Kimber. She's a German Shepherd mix with a little bit of Velociraptor, I think, in her. And so one of my hobbies is training. I really enjoy training. I grew up showing horses. And so I think training a dog is like training a small horse that has sharper teeth. And Uh, So Kimber and I have taken dog parkour classes. So I've taught her to climb things that she absolutely probably should not be climbing. We've taken agility courses. We've taken two scent work courses. So if you ever lose a hot dog out in a field, we actually can find it for you uh, because my dog is trained to do that. (laughs) But like all objects or specifically hot dogs? 
Well, we've only made it to hot dogs. We haven't, like there's more advanced levels that you can do where you teach them to find really specific scented oils, basically. But we are not necessarily at that point. I really want to try bite work, like teaching her to be like the stereotypical German Shepherd. So that might be a future hobby of mine. I also really enjoy reading. I enjoy listening to podcasts. I love photography. So when I was in Scotland, I took my DSLR camera and took a lot of photos. I like to decorate my home with photos that I've taken. So I have a photo behind me in my office that's of a sunset that I took in Traverse City. I like to do a little bit of watercolor painting. I picked that up as a hobby because I had heard that you should have a hobby that you're not good at. So that way you learn to kind of give up some perfectionism. And so I'm not a great watercolor artist, but it's something that I enjoy. And then when I step away from the art for a little while and I come back to it, then I'm like, wow, actually this doesn't look half bad. So yeah, so those are some of my hobbies. I feel like I should have more hobbies, but I can't think of much more. Maybe you know of more things that I I can't think of. Well, I think you're a pretty good cook. I only had one of your dinners one time, but I do, I know you are big into cooking. I do love to cook only for other people though. So I don't really like cooking for myself. If I'm eating for myself, I call it foraging. I just find like whatever is in the house and it's usually a mix of things that don't actually go together, but I do love to cook. And I created a cookbook a couple years ago for my family and gave it as a Christmas gift, which was really fun. And that's something that I want to do again, because that incorporates photography and writing and design and cooking all together. And it really gave us the opportunity to share our favorite recipes with our family. And so that is definitely something I want to do again as well. I also enjoy whiskey, whiskey tasting, bourbon tasting. Wine tasting as well, but I am definitely more of a bourbon girl. And you mentioned you love to read, which I am thinking ahead. I think we need a Rachel's book club. What are some books that are in your top books you've ever read or books where if someone was going to read one book in their entire life, this is the book you think they should read? That's hard. Okay. So I'm bringing up my Goodreads to see what I've read recently too, because my Goodreads are all over the place, but In terms of like a book, I think you should absolutely read one Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Have you read that? No, I don't even think I've heard of it. Okay, so you should definitely read Untamed. Another one is a book that was actually required reading at my company when it it came in my onboarding box, but I thought it was really great. Little Bets by Peter Sims. And it's all about taking those little bets in the work that you do because Sometimes those little bets can pay off to really big breakthroughs. So I thought that was a really good book. Educated is one of my favorite memoirs. So that is a great book about someone who uh, was essentially raised without access to education and what it took for her to really overcome those challenges. But then I also really love fiction. So a couple fiction recommendations. I love Sarah Moss, her books, which um, are really more in the fantasy realm. So A Court of Thorns and Roses, for example, is one of her series. So I like to have a little bit of a mix of books. I usually have a lot of different books that I'm reading all at the same time. So like I'll get like halfway through some and then I'll get distracted. So right now I think I'm in the middle of 
six different books. And six? six? Yeah. Yeah. So, some of them I haven't picked up in like a couple months. So it's, it's a lot of different books that I get distracted and I come back to. Uh, and then I have my comfort books that sometimes I'll go back to and reread because it's just really nice to reread those books then to really focus on a new story. Mm-hmm. I love to read too. I went to the library today, actually, when I was out running errands. And then podcasts. I want to dig into podcasts too. As a podcaster, I'm sure that you listen to a bunch and you mentioned that you listen to podcasts. So what are a few podcasts that you enjoy listening to or that you would recommend? Yeah. So I have in front of me my podcast list. So I'm just going to go through it in no particular order. It's just in the order that it shows up in my Spotify. So in terms of one that I think is really funny and entertaining, Ladies and Tangents. It's great. I think you would love it. In terms of things that are a little bit more professional, work-life focused, I like Work Life by Adam Grant and The Knowledge Project. Those are both really good. So those are probably the primary ones that I'm listening to right now. I also like true crime, so I'll listen to My Favorite Murder sometimes. I actually got to see them live a couple years ago, pre-pandemic. Actually, I think it was like February before the pandemic. (laughs) So uh, it, it was like right under the wire there. I also have this tendency to see like someone recommend a podcast and I'll subscribe for a little while and I'll listen to a couple episodes. But then if I find myself not continuously going back to it, I will remove it from my list. But in terms of the ones that I listen to religiously, I mean, Ladies and Tangents, it comes out on Tuesday mornings and I listen to it every single Tuesday. Like that's the first one that I always make sure that I listen to. And then the other ones, you know, kind of ebb and flow. It really depends. I also like listening to Up First from NPR in the mornings because I don't spend as much time during the day on social media I don't have regular TV. The radio in my car quit working and I decided not to replace it because I don't drive that much anymore. And so I don't get the news unless I'm intentionally trying to get the news. So I have found that Up First is a really great overview that like starts my day. So I at least know what's happening in the world. And then uh, sometimes people will at least text me if something major is happening. Rachel, we got to get your radio fixed. (laughs) I know. Well, so my car is it's a 2011. I have 265,000 miles on it because I used to drive so much. And as things have died on it, I'm kind of like, it's fine. And so when we drove to Chicago a few weeks ago, we actually had this JBL speaker that hooked up to our phones that we just brought into the car. And I was like, see, I don't need to replace my radio. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think we're getting close to our time limit, Rachel. But I do want to ask you one final question, because as you host this podcast, you ask every single one of us who joins you this question. So I think all of us are going to be very interested to hear your answer. What venturesome advice would you give yours? So I would tell my younger self that I don't need to worry about falling behind. So I consistently worried that I was behind in my career. So after you graduate from college, you take a job and your friends get jobs and your classmates get jobs and you see people take different paths and routes. And I constantly was worried that I was falling behind in terms of experience and expertise and growth and salary. And 
you really aren't like you, everybody's kind of on their own path. And for my friends who were working in big cities, they were seeing a different type of growth than I was seeing. And that was okay. Like I didn't need that kind of growth that they were seeing. And, you know, sometimes you see somebody make a career move and you're really jealous. And so you really are like, I wish that was me. And so I think it's really important to focus on yourself and focus on your own growth and not think that you're falling behind because you're usually not. You're taking things down your own path. And, you know, I think your story is a great one that shows that you're not falling behind because you chose to take a totally different career path in terms of traveling the world for a long time. And, you know, you are still really thriving in the career that you've been building these past few years. So I think that's just the the most important advice that I would give my younger self. And I think a lot of other people probably feel this too, when they graduate from college and they, the first couple of years, you see some people get jobs at really cool organizations. What's interesting is sometimes when you talk to them, those organizations have terrible cultures or they are having a terrible experience. They're not getting to do the really cool work because maybe they're at a really big company. So they're only focused on a really small thing. So in a way, I think it was really beneficial that I didn't go to work for a large corporate company that I spent time at nonprofits and small agencies and a lot of other places where I got to be the person doing the work. And that's what has set me up for success. So what I saw as a weakness early in my career, where I I wasn't at like Domino's or GM or any of those really large companies, ended up being a really huge strength for me because I was the person doing all the things. I've helped launch new websites and run social media and write press releases and pitch media. So I have a little bit of experience in a lot of different areas. And I wouldn't have gotten that had I taken a different path in my career, I think. Right. And it, every step you took, every job you took led you to where you are now, which I think it's easy to forget that big picture and get focused on the micro chapter that you're in, not realizing that, that just like all the ones that came before it, it will lead you to whatever comes next. Yeah. You know, my, my dad once sent, sent me an email and it was when I was in my first job and it was a quote that basically said, you are exactly where you need to be right now. And that really resonates every single time where I'm thinking, what's next or where should I be right now? Or am I failing right now? No, I'm not. I'm exactly where I need to be. Awesome. Well, thank Rachel. Thank you so much for allowing me to host this. This was really cool. It was really, really great getting to learn more about you and hear your side of the story and really be able to actually explore your career and your mentors and your advice and find out that if I ever lose a hot dog in a field, now I know who to call. So this was, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here to interview you. And thank you for being so open and vulnerable and honest. It's, I'm I'm sure it was a little bit hard for you to be on the other side of the microphone. And I want to say for all of our listeners, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your authenticity that you shared today. Well, thank you. Thank you for interviewing me. It's fun to see you doing this again, because I remember watching you interview people at CMU. And so it's just a lot of fun to see you build your career. So thank you so much. And 
I'm sure I'll have to have you back again. I would love to come back on any time. We always have such a great time.